Today's reading comes from Philippians chapter 3, commencing at verse 15. Let those of us, then, who are mature, be of the same mind, and if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Jesus, cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction. Their God is the belly, and their glory is the shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory, by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, so, so good morning and welcome to those who are joining us online. Uh, as Phil said earlier, there's, there's roughly 15 people we miss each week and I caught up with some of them uh, this week and it's fantastic to just see them and to hear from them and we miss not having them here. So if you feel similar, do call them. The, they would love a call from you or send them an email and encouragement and if you're listening online and want to connect with us in some way, we would love to connect with you more. Uh, we're encouraged as we meet together as Christians. Uh, Philippians, for those that are joining us for the first time this week, is a book that is sent to encourage a church, a group of people that are gathered and from a small, uh, unlikely uh, group of new Christians, so... We have our three people for the new people, Lydia, the merchant of fine purple cloth, uh, the demonic slave girl, and the Philippian jailer, who all uh, became part of the early Philippian church. So Paul's writing to encourage these people and to help them to continue in faith, to not only help them be established, but mature in faith. And, and so this passage, there we go. Uh, there's lots of things work in progress here. Uh, <laughs> this passage here this morning from Philippians 3 uh, is pointing us in, in a few different ways. It's pointing us to uh, hear sermons from last week and the week before as to uh, the same mind that we need to, to be in in order to pursue maturity. And so uh, that's verse 15. Uh, Look to me, Paul, as a person that is a good example of maturity. Uh, be different from the world that you live in. And so it refers uh, to us as citizens in heaven. And so in some way, as Christians, we, we need to think about ourselves as uh, in a, on a holiday from our true home, which is in heaven, at an outpost from where our citizenship truly is. And so... Paul is seeking to bring maturity in, in the body of Christ. And as he's seeking to bring maturity, he, he's making a, a bit of a contrast between two different groups, two, two different ways 
of operating. And so I'm very quickly just going to put it up on the screen so you can see. And we're going to make a bit of a comparison between the, the groups that he's talking about. So he speaks of the enemies of cr the cross as well as the servants of Christ. Uh, the destiny of those who live as enemies of the cross uh, as in those who don't live according to the, the purposes of Jesus, live as enemies of the cross. The destiny is destruction. Whereas for servants of Christ, the, their destiny is glorious bodies. I'm not sure if you ever wake up with aches and pains. Uh, we uh, did a bunch of walking. I carried Ellie for a little bit. And I woke up with some aches and pains this morning and thought, oh, it would have been nice to wake up fresh this morning. Uh, this translation calls it a body of humiliation. Uh, it's a, other, in other translations, it's a, a humble body. Uh, our bodies uh, don't always keep up with what we want them to do. And as life goes on, we find that they less and less are able to keep up with what we want them to do. And so the promise for us who are servants of Christ is that we will receive a, a glorious body that is a new and perfect holy body uh, without flaws, like the, the body that Jesus had when he rose from the dead is the kind of body that we are looking forward to receiving. And what about who their God is? Uh, for those who are enemies of the cross, their, their God is their stomach, that is their desires. Uh, our stomach's a good illustration because we know what hunger feels like. And so when, to when you live for your desire, you live for the hunger of your body, where whether it's uh, you have a, a hunger for food, uh, whether it's a, a hunger for sex, whether it's a hunger for power, control, money, whatever it looks like, uh, it's been driven by what we feel like. Uh, we're very much told in the world that we live in, do what feels best to you. But that's not necessarily Christian advice, because when what's best for you is influenced primarily by what you want in your body, uh, that's not the way that we're called to live. We're not called to just live for what we desire. Sometimes fasting from food is a helpful way of reminding us as Christians that actually we're fed by God, and that's, God is the one that sustains us. Uh, for those who are servants of Christ, where our God is not our stomach, our God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this really confronted the, the people of the day who their Lord was Caesar. And so for Paul to say, no, actually, your Lord is Jesus, not Caesar, that was incredibly confronting that they were looking for a, a new Lord, Jesus Christ, to return and not looking to Caesar as their saviour was confronting. And so we as Christians look to a, a different Lord, one that rules over all, Jesus Christ, who's seated on the throne, who is the conqueror, who's the almighty one, who's the powerful one, the authority for us. And so that's who we are as servants of Christ. For those uh, who are enemies of the cross, their glory is their shame. What was it talking about there? When you win something, you get a sense of glory. You celebrate uh, that glory. Uh, when you do something good, you celebrate that good thing happening. Uh, when uh, people achieve great things, sporting teams achieve great things, we celebrate them. We, we glory in victory. But here it's saying their glory is their shame. Now, there must be something in the way of living as an enemy of the cross that enables people to still glory. And, and what that is, is that we tend to celebrate uh, what those around us celebrate. And, and so if someone... 
uh, like soccer. They'll celebrate with people that like soccer, and when they have a win, they, they share it with the team, and it feels good. So our, our glory uh, is, and there are good glories, that's not necessarily a shameful glory, but think, for example, Putin. How does he justify continuing with this war? We look on as a, as a dumbfounded world. How does he justify it? He surrounds himself with people that say what you are doing is good and is glorious and is for the, the, the mother country. But we know that everything done in this world is done in the sight of God. And so while their glory on this earth may feel like glory and it's justified by the people that they surround them with, it's to their shame. As kids grow up and as uh, they cause trouble and they go out and they party, they tend to surround themselves with people that affirm the choices that they're making. And so when they do something that we look on and go, oh, shame, <laughs> their friends are going, that's amazing. I can't believe you just did that. That's, that's incredible. You're, you're a hero. <laughs> and so we need to be careful with the people that we surround ourselves with lest we don't discern clearly what it is that might be the glory of God whereas compared to the glory of people. Whereas for those who are servants of Christ, their, their glory is found in salvation. So our glory as servants of Christ is found in not what we have done, but what he has done. The salvation bought for us, what we've been brought into, a new family, a new home, a new salvation, a future in heaven. We glory in what is purchased for us by the cross. And so that's us as servants of Christ. For those who are enemies of the cross, their minds are set on earthly things, what you can touch, taste, hold, grab onto, achieve in this life, whereas as servants of Christ, our minds are set on our heavenly citizenship. Uh, like it says in the, the last verse of our reading last week, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call to, of, of God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul, immediately following that, says, verse 15, and we're on page 955 of the Bible, if you want to grab one in the pew. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too, God will reveal to you. So Paul's calling us to not remember just this, but this is part of it, to fix our, our minds on our heavenly future, what, what's being purchased for us. But he's also saying, if you think differently about anything, this too, God will reveal to you. This too, God will reveal to you. And so the walk of a Christian is a continuing walk of growing in maturity and understanding of the revelation that is already ours in Jesus. It's responding to God's word. What does God's word have to say to us? It's about hearing uh, what God has to say through us, uh, to us through other people, through his Holy Spirit. Uh, but it's also looking to those worth imitating. Verse 17, join in imitating me, Paul says, and ob observe those who live according to the example you have in us. And so Paul's pretty confident of what maturity looks like, and he's pretty confident that he's a good example of maturity. And he says, find people like me to follow. Uh, when the disciples know that Jesus is no longer going to be with them, 
they're confounded. What do we do when we have questions? How do we live? How do we go on in this life? And Paul's saying, well, God is going to give you people that you can imitate as they follow Jesus. They're, they're worthy examples. And this is, I'm an example that is worthy, Paul is saying. Uh, maturity looks kind of like this, that, that people are not earthly-minded but heavenly-minded. Follow people like this. And then you will grow in maturity. But the, the other part of growing in maturity is that God reveals to us. If you're thinking differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. How does God reveal to us? He reveals to us through other people, through his word, through his spirit. Through the still small voice of his spirit seeking to lead us on the narrow road of following Jesus as a servant of Christ. And so what does it look like for us to listen to his spirit? I think the best example for me is, is the GPS. And uh, we're all familiar with GPSs. Uh, some of us uh, like... Who, who likes a female voice on, a voice on their GPS? No, who likes a male voice on their GPS? I like the female one on mine, but I actually like turning it off most of the time because I get sick of people telling me where to go. I, I like to just watch the map in front of me. Following Jesus is like, kind of like following the GPS. We know the destination, right? Uh, we're heavenly citizens. Our, our destiny as Christians is in heaven. And that's a certainty because of what Jesus has already done for us. But kind of along the way, you get to this point where you hear your GPS say, uh, please do a U-turn. <laughs> You're going the wrong way. Please do a U-turn. <laughs> And maybe if you've put it on mute, you find out a little bit further on down the road that it's changed your direction, given you some back streets or told you to do a U-turn in order to get you back on the right path. Uh, in the Christian life, we don't follow Jesus' path perfectly, but the Holy Spirit is there, like the GPS voice saying, please do a U-turn, <laughs> take this street to get back on the right path. And as we go through life, we need to be really responsive to how the Spirit wants to lead us in, the, in order that uh, we may follow that, that path and not go down a path of a destruction, a path as the enemy, the, in order that we may partner with what is prepared for us. And we do this with, with a confidence. So, see, the second uh, focus that I want you to grab is verse 16. Let us hold fast to what we have attained. Let us hold fast to what we have attained. Uh, in, in this world, we attain things through hard work and through achievement, right? You, you go and you study and you get a certificate at the end. There was a group of seven people here on Friday who did the safe ministry training course. And at the end, they get these little certificates that say, this is what you have achieved. This is what you have obtained. But the way of a Christian is different. In life, you do work, and as a result of the work, you obtain something good. As a Christian, we're saved through faith and not by works. When you become a Christian, you receive all that is yours in Christ. And you spend the rest, we spend the rest of our lives discovering the, the height, the depth, the width, the breadth of what we have already received through faith, not by work. Your heavenly citizens 
through faith, not your work. And so the, the rest of life is not the way that we live the rest of life for us as Christians. It's actually lived seeking to discover, seeking this revelation that comes from God as we read his word in order that we would fully appreciate what it is that we have in him. I wonder, so yesterday we had a good family trip as a holiday uh, up in the hills whilst Hamish was doing a Cub Scout thing over in Jembrook and it was far enough away that we didn't want to drive home and then drive back to pick him up and so we were figuring out what to do and I found a few places on my Google Maps out on the four-wheel drive tracks that I wanted to test the four-wheel driving ability of Katie's car on. It was, you know, they were unsealed roads, but for Katie they were four-wheel drive tracks. But plugged it in, went to these uh, destinations, and we, we got to the final one, and, and it was beautiful, and it was great, and our GPS had taken us there, and then I went to plug back in Jembrook, and my GPS said, can't calculate directions. Like, oh, okay, no, I've, I've got this, I've solved this. We've got our car GPS, and that works offline. Plugged it into the car GPS and began to follow that. And uh, if your car GPS is, is like mine, you don't want to pay the $400 to update it to the latest map because the, the current map's good enough. And so the current map, though, wasn't quite what we needed because it didn't know about the roads that were closed. <laughs> and it, it didn't know the right way to get us back. And so after a little while of following this, uh, I had to zoom in on my Google Maps, which we, I still could look at and just follow it manually, which it worked in the end. We, we got back to the right place. Why am I sharing this with you? As, as a Christian, uh, we can look at the Bible and it can kind of be like the out-of-date GPS. It needs the $400 update in order to be able to apply it to, to the real-life world. And what we need to do is to understand that these are just words unless the Holy Spirit brings them to life. They're just words unless the Holy Spirit helps us to understand them. And so in life, in order to obtain uh, what is already ours, we need to study the Scripture, but we also need to turn to the Spirit to understand what it is that we have. Now, let, let me give you a helpful example of application in real life, what it looks like to live in a way where we live knowing what is already ours. Holly and I were walking along, weren't we, Holly? And we were walking along the track, and Holly was asking about snakes. Are there any snakes around? I said, well, you know, just keep your eyes out on the path, but you're probably not going to see them up close because they're scared of you. But there's probably hundreds of them in the, in the bush uh, nearby. And I felt this little hand grip a little bit tighter on my hand. And I said to her, Holly, are you a little bit scared of the snakes now? And she said, yes, <laughs> right, Holly? You were scared of the snakes because I'd said there's hundreds that you can't see. And so I said, well, okay, well, we, we walk with Jesus. Like, how about we pray? What, what do you think we can pray to Jesus? And Holly said, let's pray that he protects us, right? And that's a good prayer to pray, right? But if we're praying that he's protecting us, that there's more to it. And so I said to, to Holly, Actually, the kind of prayer that we need to pray as Christians is, thank you that you're already protecting me. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you care for me. And so rather from, than from a, a place of fear saying, God, be my tool to deal with these snakes, 
from a place of love and trust, we're able to be confident that actually God is already with us. And so often in life, we'll pray and almost beg God to do things. But if we've already obtained everything in faith, we need to thank him for what he's already doing. We need to pay attention to what he's up to and thank him for what is already ours. The way of the law. So in the, in the first half of Philippians 3, we heard that the way of the law is not the way of Christ. Uh, the, the way of Christ is, is the way of love. The way of the law is that you need to earn and you need to work and you need to do the right thing in order to obtain something at the end. But the way of faith is trusting in what is already ours. And so how do you do that? You understand that you are loved far more than you can think of or imagine. That the one who loves you as much as you're pursuing him is pursuing you more. As much as you care for him cares for you more. As much as you care for the things of this earth cares for them more. As much as you're burdened and weighed down by what's happening on the other side of the world and the other part of this country and in the lives of the people around you, he cares about them more. And so we pray to the God who is overall the authority, the one who is powerful, the, the true God, and we thank him for what he's already doing and we begin to build trust. As you understand his love for you, that builds trust in you. As I understand how much he loves me, that enables me to trust him in the steps that I take when I'm not sure whether he's going to come through, when I'm fearful about how he's going to work, then what do I tend to do? I, I tend to control things. <laughs> when, when I'm fearful of an outcome, I will tend to control the things so that the outcome I'm fearful of doesn't happen, right? And I'm, I'm sure all of us can think of lots of ways in which we fear an outcome, seek to control something. Here's a really simple example related to the stomach. I fear, get, this is not a real fear for me because I've got a really high metabolism. I, I fear getting really fat. So I will control what I eat in order to receive the outcome that I want. And we see that it works. And, and I'm not saying that uh, that's a bad thing. It can, can lead to an unhealthy thing. But trust is, I trust God that you will lead me to uh, eat well, to be healthy. And you do this with wisdom, that you'll give me wisdom as to what is good and what is not good, but I don't need to fear it and, and to be driven by fear because of his great love and provision for me. Uh, there's lots of ways in life in which we need to move from this place of fear and control to love and trust. And as you learn to live in love and trust, this is the way of maturity because we know that he loves us and we trust him with our future, which is ultimately in heaven. And so we're called to press on towards the goal, to live a life trusting that the one that we follow will transform us, uh, the one that we follow will bring us eventually into glory. And the key way we do that is, is we look to him and we say, Jesus, you're my king. You love me, and I'm going to seek to follow you.